Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Good morning, Queens Beach. So good to be here with you. We're taking a pilgrimage through the letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the newly established church in Colossae. And he wrote that letter because he was concerned with safeguarding the purity of the gospel message that had been preached to the church. Because the gospel was in danger of being corrupted by subsequent teachers who were intent on diminishing the all-sufficient gift of God's saving grace in the life, death and resurrection of the one, Jesus Christ. Pastor Nicole guided us through the first chapter of the letter, reminding us of the three keys Paul highlighted as strengths of the Colossian church. They understood God's grace. They understood the Holy Spirit was essential to their walk with God, and they understood that growing in the knowledge of God was central to their maturing as Christians. Three keys for us to embrace today, God's grace, God's spirit, and God's word. Nicole went on to lead us through Paul's wonderful declaration of Christ's supremacy in all things and the completed work of the cross in bringing about our salvation and restoration to God. No need to add anything. We were considered as God's enemies, but now because of Christ's sacrifice, we are considered holy, righteous, without blemish. Again, nothing to add. Now, before we head further on our pilgrimage into Colossians, I, I want to spend some time down something of a side path. You know, it's, it's like we're on a journey and you see a path heading off to the side and you take that path and explore where it leads and you experience something enriching. You know, you find a waterfall or a beautiful field or, or an old ruin. So just like that, I want us just to pause and take another look in Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14. It may not be Paul's main message, but it's an important added bonus for us to consider. As we read through those verses a couple of weeks ago, I felt God reminding us about the influence, impact and power of prayer. As central as grace, spirit, word and Christ is to our Christian life, prayer is an action that's indispensable, inseparable from the same Christian life. And it seemed to coincide with Pastor Phil Pringle, the founder of our C3 and his message to our movement, encouraging us to increase engagement and up the ante in prayer. I like this quote. Prayer is not an old woman's idle amusement. Properly understood and applied, it's the most potent instrument of action. Or this one. The most powerful people in the world are those who know how to pray and to have those prayers answered. Prayer is not easy. But when we fully grasp its power and potential, it becomes a most exciting prospect for us. Now, I don't believe there's a shortage of people wanting to pray, but often I hear people saying, I don't know how to pray, or I don't know what to pray, or again, I start to pray and then I run out of words. But God is gracious and he understands that about us. And so scattered throughout the Bible, are prayers that God has put into the mouths of others, but also they are there for us to use. And Paul prays one of these prayers for us in Colossians 1 verses 9 to 14. And his prayer can be a model for us to use in our own prayers today. Now, before we go on, let me make this clear. God looks upon the heart, 
The words of our prayer are not as important as the heart and faith with which we pray them. I've had many simple prayers answered that have come from my heart as a cry to God. God, save me. God, keep my children safe. But having words to pray encourages us. We feel stronger and more confident and we influence those around us, particularly if those words are straight from the word of God. In John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, we read, If we pray anything agreeable to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we've attained the requests we ask of him. So when we pray directly from the word of God, we can be sure of this. We can be confident that we are, what we are praying is agreeable to his will because God wrote it. And so just as the scripture says, we can be confident that he hears us and we have the requests we ask of him. And also, when we pray directly from the word of God, we're lifting up what Paul calls in Ephesians, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so when we are in that realm of prayer, praying directly from the word of God, using it as a mighty sword is powerful and truly effective. The exciting thing about praying Paul's prayer from Colossians 1 verses 9 to 14 is that we can pray it both for ourselves as an act of humility before God because it acts as something of a checklist that brings us back to the things that are important to God. But also, it's a prayer we can pray for the people around us, which is what Paul is doing with it. When we're unsure what to pray concerning the people in our lives, this is the prayer. We're called to bless others to stand in to gap for them before God, to intercede and to pray on their behalf. If you have concerns for your family, your colleagues at work, friendships, people in the church, or if God just puts someone on your heart and you're unsure what to pray over them, this is a prayer that covers so much of what is on God's heart and therefore what will bring good things into the life of the people over whom you pray this. Lastly, Praying Bible prayers is a very big help when we feel led by the Holy Spirit to pray for those people of whom we're not fond. And I'm putting that nicely. God asks us to pray for those who persecute us, for those who have harmed us, for those who have wronged us, and for those who are difficult. And we all have these people in our lives. If you are challenged in this area, then Paul's prayer in Colossians can be a really big help. So, with all that in mind, let's read together Paul's prayer from Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might so that you will have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves and in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Wow. 
At first glance, what we notice is that Paul does not anchor his prayer for the Colossians in the idea of success or prosperity, happiness or more easy times. He doesn't ask for less trials. He asks for endurance and perseverance. He doesn't ask for a prosperous life. He asks for a life that is worthy of the Lord and pleasing to him. And he doesn't ask that self-centered ambitions are fulfilled, but rather there be fruitfulness in good works and growth in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his will and then the knowledge of God himself. And that is what it's all about. Paul understands that desire for a rich and rewarding life will find its fulfillment in one that is dedicated to the pursuit and pleasing of God. So let's examine that prayer verse by verse. When we pray for others, we pray to God. And verse 9, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And wisdom is such a wonderful blessing to pray for, both for ourselves and for others. Wisdom is the ability to see a way through a complex problem or even to anticipate and avoid challenges altogether. Paul reminds us that this sought-after growth in wisdom and knowledge comes through the Holy Spirit. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus states this plainly. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is our direct connection to the mind of God. The Holy Spirit works with us to give love and compassion, establish conviction and strength to resist evil, and also to give us the knowledge and the wisdom we need for life. The Spirit is how we live. Paul describes us as ministers of the Spirit who bring life. And elsewhere, the sons of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. So when we pray, verse 9, we look to open lives, minds and hearts to the empowering influence of the Holy Spirit, a good prayer. Paul continues in verse 10, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, that you will please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. It's not about success. It's about honoring God with a worthy life. We want to be on the right track, living a life that bears fruit and pursues good works, not to earn God's love, but to honor his amazing love that he has already shown us. God's grace towards us takes the focus off our striving works and puts it onto his worthiness and growing in the knowledge of God. This verse calls us to action. It puts a personal onus upon us. The result of the work of the Spirit in a believer's life is called fruit. What does that fruit look like? Paul describes it in Galatians. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's certainly a better way to live than what is on offer from the world. Immorality, impurity, hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, and envy, to name a few that Paul lists. We want people to be blessed with a life that overflows with God's abundant fruit, rather those things of the world that are clearly rotten. And Paul speaks of every good work. Now, it would be crushing to believe that God's called us to carry the weight of every need we can see with our eyes, especially in this digital age. We may not be called to do every good work, 
but we are called to fruitfulness in all our work. We want ourselves and the people for whom we are praying to be about the word God has purposed for them because it's in that space that we and they will find true fulfillment. So as we discern what these works are and should be, we get busy doing them with a kingdom aim. We may know people who have veered away from God's will. We can see a dissatisfaction in their lives that showed little evidence of godly fruit. So we pray for them. We pray for a redirection, a rekindling of their love for God and a desire to please him, to live a life as a testimony of Christ's transforming love. Also in this verse, Paul indicates that a key to our Christian walk is an increasing knowledge of God. What a great thing to pray for ourselves and, and for others. Our Lord is so unlike us that we must have revelation from him, humility in us, and illumination from the Spirit in order for us to see his fullness in the pages of Scripture. Our God is so full of life and love, it's imperative that we keep ourselves open to his word. This is especially true of Jesus Christ. We want to know more and more about him, more about his life, his works, his words. In John 17, Jesus tells us what eternal life is. It's not just living forever. It's knowing God and knowing his son, not just knowing about him, but knowing him personally. And getting to know Jesus more is how we get our lives right. In the book of Acts, the defining explanation for the boldness and power of the early apostles was that they had been with Jesus, that they knew Jesus. So we do not want our minds to grow lazy and our hearts indifferent to settle for where we are at or to find ourselves suddenly malnourished by the shallow and perishable things of this world, possessions, pleasure, reputation and achievement. We do not want to settle for a phantom of a king made up in our own imagination, a king with all the same preferences and attitudes that we have. No, we want to grow into the image of Christ. We want to be more like him and less like us. As God puts it, we want him to change us from glory to glory. And we want this for us and we want it for others. And so we pray for this very thing. We get God involved. We want those not increasing in the knowledge of God to first grow in the knowledge of God's will for them and then grow in the knowledge of God himself. That is what it's all about. Paul continues in verse 11. What is the next thing that is on his worthy life list. What is the next thing, next thing that God directs us to pray for? Verse 11, be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. We pray for the spirit of God to work his power in us. We do not do this in our own strength, but looking to God. We pray for that inner muscle called endurance that's manifested outwards as patience. Patience is the evidence of an inner strength, an inner source that comes from God. Our God is sovereign, but that sovereignty over us does not exempt us from pain. God loves us, but that does not mean there will be no struggle or hurt. So to endure patiently means to not be caught by surprise when life hurts. God-centered endurance and patience speaks of strength on the inside, not easy circumstances on the outside. We want this for ourselves and we want it for our family and for our friends. And so we pray. 
Living a life worthy of the King will call for endurance because life does not go to plan. But as people of faith, we remember it will always unfold as the King has planned. So we can be patient, we can endure because our trust is firmly in Him. Praying for problems and challenges to be removed is legitimate, but as well as that, and in the absence of that, we pray for God to grace people with an overcoming endurance and patience that their spiritual zeal and love for God will not fade. Paul concludes this monumental prayer in verses 12 to 14. Let me read. And God, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is where the rubber hits the road for our family and friends. Salvation. In verse 12, Paul prays that we would live in joyful thanks. I love those words. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. We desire this revelation for all people. God our Father has qualified us, made us worthy to inherit the kingdom, and that is the reason we can live a joyful and thankful life. Paul reminds us that our Father rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his Son. Jesus has redeemed us and he has forgiven us. He has taken our brokenness and made us whole. He removed our sin so that now in his presence we are considered holy and without blemish. This is his gift of love, not reward for our goodness. We belong in Jesus' kingdom. A genuine heartfelt joy in Christ and gratitude to the Father is a barometer of our soul health. It exposes our relationship to the King in an intimate way. Because if you are in love with somebody, their happiness is your happiness. Indifference to God leads to a heartless compliance, to obligation which leads nowhere. But a love and admiration for God leads to generous actions aimed at a shared joy. And that's how it works. Nothing changes the nature of our obedience more than a fundamental change in our relationship to God, in finding him glorious and beautiful. If we find ourselves or people in our lives whose hearts lack this joyful gratitude to the Lord, people who have veered away from treasuring him, then let's take it to God in prayer and let's seek a restoration and a receiving of salvation joy for them. So there it is, Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14. What a wonderful prayer to have in our faith weaponry. What a wonderful blessing to prophesy and pray this prayer over ourselves, our family and others in our lives. Always pray from the heart, but when you're unsure what to pray, praying directly from the word of God is powerful. So let's use this as a template now to pray for someone in our lives that needs to be strengthened by the Spirit of God. So as we finish, let me show you how I use it um, when I pray for my children, how I pray for people who the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. I'm believing good things for them and I'm using this scripture as my guide and as my sword. So I might pray something like this, Lord, I pray for my children. Father, I pray that you would fill them with the knowledge of who you are, Lord God. 
Father, that you would give them all the wisdom and understanding that they need, that they would know the Holy Spirit intimately. Father, I pray they would seek after you for a life that is worthy of you, that pleases you in every way. I pray, Lord, that they will bear fruit, Lord, that understand the gifts that you have given them. Father, that they would grow in the knowledge of you. I pray, Lord, you would strengthen them, give them the endurance, give them the patience that they need, Lord, to be successful and overcome in life, Lord. Father, may they understand that you've called them into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness. Lord, may they know you as their saviour. May they know salvation. May they experience the redemption and the forgiveness they have in you. You see, when we pray God's word, we can be confident that we are praying his will, confident that God hears us, and we can feel a real sense of peace because God takes our burden upon himself and acts on our behalf concerning the things for which we've prayed and for whomever we are praying. So church, be blessed. Remember, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.